from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A milestone for an ag organization. That's about one thing. I'm Charles Denny, an organization dedicated to helping Tennessee farm families marks 25 years of service in 2023. The University of Tennessee's Center for Profitable Agriculture. That story coming up on Ag Day. The latest after a massive fire at an egg farm in Connecticut. As soybeans surge, as markets turn their attention to South America. And I do think there's upside potential from these worst case scenario numbers that we had been talking about just a couple weeks ago. What it means here at home, right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. The soybean market seeing a big rally Monday as weather in Argentina was once again the focus. The crop there was hit early by drought conditions but recently got some rain. This is leaving questions about just how big the crop is there and maybe, more importantly, in Brazil. Ag Day's Michelle Rook talked to some leading market analysts to get their take. Clinton soybeans and meal put some weather premium back in the market Monday with South American weather concerns returning. It's too wet in northern Brazil slowing harvest and too dry in Argentina, the top meal exporter in the world. Argentina has seen an improvement in the crop with recent moisture, but just how much will that help? Plus, can Brazil make up for those losses with the projected record crop? Last week, the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange rated the Argentina crop at 7%, good to excellent, up 4%. And those ratings are expected to improve again this week as a result of recent rains. But the exchange recently trimmed the soybean crop to 41 million metric tons, and private estimates have cut it even more, with the lowest at 34 million metric tons, below last year. But is that too low? a really hard time putting a number in anything below 38, but I think it might actually be a bit better than that based on the recent weather that they've had. So yeah, that Argentinian crop, at least in my mind, seems to be stabilizing at this point. And I do think there's upside potential from these worst case scenario numbers that we had been talking about just a couple of weeks ago. The other question is whether Brazil's projected record crop can make up for the losses in Argentina. USDA pegged the Brazilian crop at 153 million metric tons in the latest WASDE report. However, some private estimates are higher, including AgriSource, which just wrapped up its Brazilian crop tour and found record bean counts. Again, when we look at the total Brazilian soybean crop, it's 154 million tons as of today. Last year it was 127, so this is significantly larger. And so as we think about Brazil, it will be an export uh, exporter of size and substance all the way through next October. The Brazilian harvest is around 5% complete, but Bossi says early harvest results from farmers are confirming the record crop in Brazil. Market analysts expect Brazilian hedge pressure to weigh on the soybean market as the harvest progresses and more record results are confirmed. So many are suggesting farmers take advantage of the rally to get some new crop soybean sales made. Ice could be an issue from the Southern Plains to the Tennessee Valley. Meteorologist Chuck Heber joins us with more. All right, let's take a look at your drought monitor. You can see in the center part of the country, we still are dealing with exceptional drought conditions. And of course, out to the west, we're finally putting a little bit of a dent in that. And of course, we can hope for some more precipitation out there, but you can see a drastic change from where we were, say, two months ago. But Okay, how about precipitation moving into the area? We've got several systems over in the east that are going to push through and lay down under some thunderstorms. Some pretty impressive rain amounts, two, three inches in some locations. Okay, in Nebraska, 
Well, there's a lot of snow, and recently Frank Beal said he is reporting 58 inches of snow since December. He says normally it might be 20 to 25 inches. Okay, I'll have more on your full forecast coming up. Happening right now, authorities in Connecticut are investigating a fire at a large egg farm where it's believed around 100,000 egg-laying hens died in the blaze. Now, multiple agencies were called over the weekend to the fire at Hill and Bell Farms in Basra company releasing a statement saying it was proactively working with fire officials to support a thorough investigation into the cause of the fire, adding that all employees are safe. While egg prices are elevated right now due to bird flu, officials expect the impact from this fire to be minimal to none when it comes to prices. Now we've been telling you about rising energy prices across the world, but in South Africa, rolling power failures are turning off the lights on economic growth. As David McKenzie reports, many small businesses are decrying government incompetence and say the cost for them to fund alternative fuel sources are not sustainable. Tens of thousands of dead birds suffocated when the power failed and surges blew the backup systems. It's the awful impact of a country in crisis. So when you saw thousands of chickens die like this, what was it like for you? glass of cold water in your face. It was so, so bad. It, I never thought it would happen to me. Herman Dupree has struggled for months with up to 10 hours of rolling blackouts a day. He can't hide his anger at the government. I'm not asking them to do me a favor. Really, I don't. I will deep do my job. I will produce food. I'll wake up early, work on Sundays to produce food for South Africa. I like what I'm doing. Just do your job. Um, you, have, you have one thing to do, just do it. Just give us power, please. But power is in short supply. The farm that Dupree and his father built from scratch now runs at a loss during the worst blackouts. He says diesel costs could sink them. The president himself has admitted that corruption, sabotage, a lack of skills has caused this issue. Why should this government then be trusted to fix it? Well, David, as you know, uh, this problem predates President Ramaphosa's time in government. Even the president now acknowledges that decades of mismanagement and breathtaking corruption crippled state-owned power utility ESCOM. A lack of maintenance, a deep skills deficit and regulatory red tape have all helped cause this crisis. Forward to energy security! Forward! Forward! Not everyone is buying it. The official opposition is calling for mass action. You can sense the growing frustration in South Africa already. This crisis isn't just inconvenient for people, it can kill the dreams of a better future. Tando turned a small government COVID grant into the Soweto Creamery. Yes. <laughs> it's a huge hit here, thanks to the whole Makubu family. But when the power goes out, their profits evaporate. So now, my boat to turn on the generator. Their plans to expand put on hold. What do you want the government to do? Uh, I want the government to be brutally honest with us. If they are able to fix it, please fix it. If they, they can't, they must let us know. And it makes us feel that we are not really in a democracy because it's meant to, to, to be for the people, by the people, but it's in as if for them, by them, you know. At the very least, 
Tando and all South Africans just desperately want the lights to be turned back on. All right, as we mentioned, South American weather helping drive those soybean prices. We'll dig into the numbers next. And later, they're all numbers when it comes to on-farm profitability. We'll see how one group is helping farmers add value in Tennessee in the country. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Soybean surged to start the week thanks to those drought concerns in Argentina that we told you about at the top of the newscast. Michelle is back with more in this morning's Markets Now. Monday's market closes mostly higher except for a few of the hog contracts. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net is with us and big rally in soybeans on Monday. Matt, we made new contract highs in soybean mail putting South American weather premium in. The question is, is how much weather premium do we need to put in? Well, the thing is, I mean, you look at a couple of different models and obviously the GFS and the Euro aren't in total agreement. Uh, bottom line is not everyone feels like uh, uh, you're going to turn off super hot and dry again. Uh, but we have had rainfall lately, but you're right. Uh, we're putting weather premium back in. This is at a time when we essentially have seen some awfully large estimates for Brazilian soybeans uh, for the two crops put together, 155, a lot of folks are saying. So, you know, I think that overall South American production is going to be rather large. Yes, there's going to be issues whenever it comes to Argentina, but I think we got to keep world supply in the back of our minds too. So how much higher do you think we can run this thing? We're getting up into resistance and do you make some sales here? I mean, personally, I think so. I think, you know, I just was a top producer last week and I would say the sentiment was one of extreme caution. I think there's a lot of nervous folks. You know, you take these corn back under six bucks and it has a hard time rallying. You see beans go under 14, that has a hard time rallying. So whether you're talking old or new, I think a lot of folks were looking at these markets with a little bit of a fear factor. And so, you know, you get a rally back towards, uh, uh, again, some of these resistance levels. I think it's a really good time to step in and reward the market. Uh, probably still going to have some bushels left over to go if the market keeps on going, but I'm not so sure that I want to be bullish up at these levels. Corn tried to follow soybeans, was reluctant. Was that because of some corn bean spreading or did we run into chart resistance or what? I think a combination of things. Inspections weren't all that great. You know, you had a small sale this morning, but, you know, bottom line is, you know, you really didn't see anything uh, too earth shattering whenever it comes to corn. It's very interesting to see, you know, 24 and 25 rallying at a time whenever the rest of the corn uh, situation really wasn't doing a whole lot. You know, right. 23 rallied a little bit. So you've seen so much bull spreading lately. Some of that got unwound today, I believe. Live cattle futures at new contract highs. Can they keep running here if cash keeps going higher? <sighs> Fundamentals are still awfully friendly. I mean, I've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, uh, bottom line on cattle, uh, if, the, if the corn market, uh, you know, backs off even yet, I, I think that you could see some just extreme strength with, uh, with, with cattle. Demand's still awfully strong. Uh, and again, the fundamentals of the whole thing, cattle on feed in Texas, you know, under 80% of a year ago, that's just an incredible number. I don't think that you can discount what that could mean moving forward. Thanks so much. Uh, that's Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. More Ag Day coming up. To contact Matt Bennett at Ag Market, call 844-4-AG-MARKET or visit their website at www.agmarket.net. Ag Day is brought to you by Golden Harvest. Broad adaptability, high yield potential, solid agronomics, great late season health. The foundations of a successful season start with Golden Harvest Game Changing Corn. Find your hybrid at GameChangingCorn.com.
Meteorologist Chuck Heber joining us here for our national forecast. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the West Coast, but the Southeast may be getting some precipitation, although it could be a little icy. Yeah, we're looking at ice around the Memphis area, so we'll keep an eye on that, but it's going to pile up. Well, let's take a look at our root zone right now. You can see out to the West, thankfully, it is wet, and that is a good thing because the West Coast has really needed that type of precipitation, but boy, Northern Oklahoma and Southern Kansas, it cannot get a break over by Dodge City. It is just bone dry and that target right there just is not getting put a dent in and that's not going to change anytime soon. Most of the precipitation is going to be off to the east. There's the current drought monitor. You can see exceptionally dry, but the west coast is looking a heck of a lot better than it did last month with that rainfall that came in from the Pineapple Express. Okay, so let's take a look then at the jet stream. So right now you can see most of the really Arctic air is bottled still up to the north and that'll stay that way and we're going to see relatively mild conditions throughout most of the country. Of course, a ridge pushes across the southeast here and then we start to pile up the rain. So you can see several storms will impact the southeast, including tomorrow where we're going to see some icing definitely in the Kentucky and Memphis and Tennessee area. You can see that on future radar here and then pushing in through Memphis here tomorrow. This is going to be really sketchy as the day moves along on Wednesday and then we have more precipitation down to the south and that's why when you see the precipitation forecast, that's why you're going to see a lot of precipitation down to the southeast. You can see that piling up here, whether it's in rain or ice. It's going to be a sketchy day as the day moves along today and throughout the day tomorrow and then snowfall estimates, of course, in the cooler parts. But again, we're not going to have a lot of cold air in place. So you can see those are nominal throughout the country. OK, let's take a look then at closer to home. Birmingham, Alabama, 58 degrees and low 44 scattered showers. How about Westport, Connecticut, 39 and 20, partly sunny skies and Delta, Utah, mostly sunny, 21, low three. Which states added the most dairy cows in 2022? We'll have the numbers coming up next. And later, from wineries to produce, you pick it in agritourism. What do all of these farms have in common? They're all adding value. And we'll see how a group of Tennessee is helping farmers do that today in the country. The Dairy Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim. Because cattle first is a remark only made remarkable by you, producers and veterinarians across the country. Milk production continued to rise last year, but not by much. USCA reporting December's milk production rose just under 1%. U.S. cow numbers grew in December by 38,000. Now, For the entire year, production grew by two-tenths of 1% over 2021. Now, Texas led the way in year-over-year -year growth, up 25,000 head, followed by South Dakota with 16,000 additional cows, and Iowa up 14,000 head. Now, states that saw the biggest decline in cow numbers were New Mexico and Florida, both showing a decline of 13,000 head. A first-of-its-kind sports drink that's powered by milk is set to hit store shelves. It's called Good Sport and it will be sold at 1,000 Walmart stores in the Midwest. Now, Good Sports founder and CEO says she came up with a dairy-based sports drink after getting frustrated with other beverage options, saying she didn't want her son drinking sports drinks filled with artificial ingredients that were being offered to him at his baseball games. Now, it currently comes in four flavors. A 12-pack costs about $33.
Up next, a profitable farm needs good customers. We're off to Tennessee to see how one organization has been helping farms add value to their products for a quarter century in the country. The Ag Innovation Forum will bring new technology, knowledge, and opportunity to agriculture on February 8th at the downtown Marriott in Kansas City. Register today at agbizkc.com forward slash upcoming dash events. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. An organization committed to helping Tennessee farming operations expand and stay in business marks a quarter of a century of service this year. Charles Denny has more on an organization that's willing to adapt to changes on the farm. Travel back in time to a summer day at Arrington Winery in Williamson County. The grapes are ready for harvest, a sweet product that's going from the field to a bottle. Meeting with the vineyard operators, UT Extension fruit specialist David Lockwood, and Rachel Painter with the Center for Profitable Agriculture. Painter works with wineries, craft brewing and distilled spirit operations, and many other ag enterprises. So as we look at growing barley and putting that into craft beer and distilled spirits, we can also look at growing different cultivars of grapes to meet consumer demand and make sure that our Tennessee farmers are profitable as well. There's a key word, profitable. Right in its title, the Center for Profitable Agriculture works with farm families statewide to provide guidance on analyzing, developing, and marketing value-added products. Now this agency that helps Tennessee farming operations expand and stay in business celebrates 25 years of service. In the early days, uh, 25 years ago, most of our work was just one-on-one, -on -one, uh, helping folks analyze ideas that they had, but uh, that model changed some over time in terms of us doing a whole lot more proactive work and being heavily involved in educational programs, workshops, conferences. CPA has strong partnerships with the Tennessee Department of Agriculture and Tennessee Farm Bureau Federation. Leaders of these organizations know that agriculture has changed a lot the past quarter century. Many farms are now selling directly to customers or trying other business ventures. CPA has also adapted to this new day and how they're able to lend help to anyone involved in agriculture, from consulting on farmers markets, e-commerce, social media, and agritourism. Sure, so celebrating excellence of 25 years. I mean, being able to show what we've been able to accomplish and within the Institute and supporting our farm families and looking at value-added opportunities to be able to keep our farmers on the farm. Visitors are always welcome at Apple Valley Orchard in Bradley County. Owner Chuck McSpadden and his family will produce some 15,000 bushels of beautiful apples in a good year, along with cider and fried pies and jams and jellies for sale. McSpadden says he's taken classes taught by the center and credits CPA for their guidance and help. I guess they've got some knowledge they share with you that maybe you don't think of. You know, you know, you might not think of all the pitfalls of insurance and, and dealing with the public and, and all the things that you might want to consider before you do one of their, do something different from what you're doing now. 
and they're just a great resource for all that information. CPA now plans many more years of service, looking to a future where the organization must be ready for change on the farm and in how they can help. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks Charles, and that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.